everyone, and welcome to Season 1, a podcast where we watch, review, and recommend TV shows that only aired for one season. My name is Presley. My name is Andrew. And welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. We're very excited to be coming back at you today uh, to talk about this uh, the Showtime show, American Gigolo. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to let Andrew uh, tell tell the, uh, the listeners, our dear listeners, uh, a little spoiler synopsis for us. So take it away, Andrew. So American Gigolo is a Showtime television adaptation of the 1980 film of the same name. In the series, we see Julian Kay, played by John Bernthal, uh, being exonerated for a murder he spent 15 in years, 15 years in prison for. Julian was a male prostitute, or gigolo, from the age of 15 when his mother sent him off to get out of his unfavorable home situation. Once freed, he tries to adjust to life outside and uncover the circumstances of his framing. He takes up somewhat of a reluctant partnership with Detective Jones Sunday, played by Rosie O'Donnell, the detective who put him away. During this process of returning back to a normal life, he hopes to reconnect with his former lover, Michelle, uh, played by Gretchen Mole, Michelle's son, Colin, played by Gabriel LaBelle, Gabriel LaBelle, is on the lam after falling in love with his teacher and escaping with her to create a new life. Colin's lover, Elizabeth, is accidentally killed by Richard Stratton, played by Leland Orser, who also is Colin's father, uh, lawyer and right-hand man, Panish. So, um, Panish kills Elizabeth. Detective Sunday hunts for clues to solve both murders, and Julian, Michelle, and Richard search for Colin, uh, Colin, who we find out is Julian's biological son. Colin is taken for ransom by a man called McGregor, who worked for Olga, Julian's former boss, and who now works for Richard. Isabel, played by Lizzie Brocheret, Olga's successor, contacts McGregor and brings Colin back to Julian and Michelle. In the end of the series, we see Julian and Michelle planning to start back up where they left off, creating a life together, only for Michelle to pull the plug when she sees Colin and Richard start to repair their shattered relationship. What a show. What a complicated, nuanced, indecipherable web of maddening nothing. Let's Did you understand it, it Andrew? <laughs> Let's talk about this show again. So just so everyone knows, this is our second time actually recording this podcast. Um because we had some technical issues. my computer decided not to work properly and we recorded an entire episode. Um and uh, we went to edit it, and it turns out you can't really do a podcast with only half of the audio. I mean, um, it's it's the good half, at least, but it is kind of, wow. you know, it's missing the other wow. good half. Kick me when I'm down. <laughs> no, just um, kidding. No, uh, so, yeah, what an interesting show. And to answer your question, no, 
I, I didn't now... really f- understand a lot about the show. I've read the synopsis now four times, I think, and we have yeah. re- had an yeah. hour-long conversation prior to this, which we normally obviously don't do because we don't talk about the shows prior to this, but we already r- tried re- to record this right. episode once, right. and I still have no fucking clue what happened in this goddamn show. So, yeah, genu- well, I think it's because nothing really happened. Yeah, it's kind of a boring you know, one, but, if I'm But like a lot, a lot actually kind of happened, but nothing no, happened. No, it didn't. What, actually, what in the show happened that wasn't flashbacks? Flashbacks don't count because they're the, what's leading up to the current action. I mean, people, like, people were killed. Someone was taken for ransom. Someone's on the lam. There's like a r- relationship that falls apart. There's two different investigations happening. Um, John, uh, Bernthal's character, whose character's actual name is John, which is why I confused it. Uh, Julian goes back home and there's that whole arc with his origins and like Rosie O'Donnell goes to his home and talks to his mom. Like there is a lot that happens, but nothing happens. Well, you know, that was one of my things with this show. In your recounting just now of what quote unquote happened in the show, nothing about it involves the principal character and the focal point of the show john bernthal he not a lot of it he ties to a lot of these things but he does not do anything the whole show and that is just so much fun when your main character the titular american gigolo doesn't do anything yeah it certainly makes for a bit of a mind fuck in the sense that you're like what am i doing watching this what is happening you know what I mean? Like, I guess it's not like an Inception style, like mess with your oh, head a good, situation. A good thing to watch. You mean right, right? <laughs> but also like convoluted, and you have to like watch it multiple times and try to dissect what happened and et cetera, et cetera. This one is just like so. What? I don't know. This show made me feel yeah. yucky in weird ways. Um, okay. I, I, this is something I don't know if I talked about, but the there is there's a pervasive quality of abuse in the show mm-hmm. that i really yeah. don't like obviously we know that a lot of sex work both for men and for women and any other you know gender non-conforming you know labels there often can be tied with a lot of different types of abuse which is which is one of the most problematic elements of it well yeah they get othered a lot right um sex workers and yeah and precisely and um like the know, show minorities the show starts with this 15 year old kid essentially being sold into prostitute slavery by his mother, which yeah is really messed up. And then after being used by the landlord for sex. Yeah. At 15, which is super problematic. And right. then you also have then in the present quote unquote, like after John Bernthal's out of prison for, for being exonerated for a crime he did not commit, you have this child that is we find out julian's child from his like lover who whose character was it charlotte was his was michelle michelle excuse me kind of they they run parallel in my mind for some reason (laughs) they both have an l it's because they have double consonants towards the end yeah no you're good (laughs) and uh but he julian's son runs away with his uh like older teacher and he is yeah. 15 at the time and the teacher i think they say is in her 30s so is straight up like they call her a pedophile because like you know right. it's it's very clearly rape 
right in the in the traditional sense of like he is not an adult i don't know this yeah, whole show just made me feel like terrible about all of this work and i mean maybe that's part of the goal right and if it if that is part of the goal it was extremely effective for me where i just kind of felt slimy the whole time watching it i don't know that the the aim of the show was to make one feel slimy but i do think that that things like that and and uncovering his past and showing that type of abuse was intentional if that makes sense right yeah like, i think it it, it speaks it to his like, character better yeah well it also kind of speaks a little bit and and i don't even think that this show really scratched the surface of of how sex workers are treated but it kind of shows a little bit it, to the to the person who isn't aware it's like wow these people who, who work in this types of of things don't get treated well well I mean, yeah they possibly are not from very good backgrounds sometimes you and know, that's like, in direct contradiction to like the opening title of the of the show which i think is interesting we played the we played yeah. the song uh you know before we did the synopsis like we normally do probably all heard it um yeah. and the whole time it's like glorifying this kind of uh, lifestyle, right? He's driving around the super nice convertible. He's having a bunch of sex with these, you know, very attractive women, you know, both younger and yeah. older and designer suits, designer drugs, precisely. Right. And then at these lavish parties and then the show has basically none of that. All, all that's shown of that is like right. his like flashback time prior to being in jail and it's kind of explained later on that he didn't really enjoy that lifestyle and that's why he was trying to leave it before he got framed. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like it doesn't leave that that line of work obviously in a great light. And I mean that line of work doesn't necessarily need to be portrayed in a great light. But it, it, it also doesn't do it justice to like what it's actually like in reality. And like I don't know. It, yeah. it, it, it's trying to be both at once and I think it does both poorly. Yeah, uh, I would I would I would t probably agree with that. Um. Presley, what are your actual like thoughts? Give me, give me. I mean, we're kind of already doing thoughts, but like, what what are your your bullet points of this? Or you could even kind of mold that into uh, your your likes and dislikes. Um, bullet point A. Bullet point the first. I yeah. don't think John Bernthal is a particularly good actor. Right. Uh, this is something that you and I have discussed prior to the, ever watching this show. Yeah, I think yeah, that that's he. True is very one note and i don't think that he has a lot of like difference in who he is and what he kind of person he plays i'm not saying that you can't play to your strengths or only play a certain type of actor we've seen tons of actors that do that extremely successfully um but that kind of character is not a character that i particularly like so it's like it's kind of working against him where he's playing to his strengths but i also don't like that his strength is that kind of character you know if you think about yeah. like this character to me is like pretty indistinguishable from like a character like the Punisher that he used to play or Shane on the walking mm. dead. Like they're not, okay. they're just like, uh, you know, alpha men kind of perspectives of like very strong archetypal stereotypical that I don't enjoy. And I don't like that. He has one good scene of acting, I think in the whole, in the whole show, um, which I can get oh, okay. into if you're curious, but like, it's to me, it's just like you, you're getting this frankly boring actor in a role where he doesn't do anything. So it makes me care zero ounces for him being the lead. That's so interesting that you say that. I mean, I understand that. I know, uh, you know, we have talked about that before, not just in the previous time we did this, but you do see your, your Seth Rogans, your, uh, Jason Bateman's 
almost your um, Vin Diesel is a great example. Vin Diesel's your great Kinnears, and there are all sorts of uh, female actors too, or who who kind of fit into this category where they just are themselves. Yeah, in everything, it's just the same personality, copy pasted into a different plot, and it can be really successful. Like a lot of the people I just named off, people love them. Yeah, people even love John Bernthal, right? Um, I think you're one of them. But, I think you like him a lot, right? I think I think he's good. I've liked everything that I've seen him yeah. in. I understand where you're coming from with the kind of just a one-trick pony, yeah. so to speak, where he just kind of has one thing that he does. Like, I get that. And I do actually kind of see it, but I do enjoy seeing him in things. Yeah, and I it, it goes like a little further even than that, right? Because I think there are times when I've watched a perfect example is a Seth Rogen, right? Who, you know, is very like, he's a very distinct personality. Right. But I can feel a difference in emotion and in presentation, even when he's playing a a very similar character. Great example, Mm. right. Is like, you know, you watch Seth Rogen and like, this is the end or office Christmas party or whatever else. Right. And he's like a very, you know, lovable, uh, high guy that parties and drinks a lot and says funny things. Right. Um, but then you watch a a movie that he, I think, wrote and directed called The American Pickle. It was like a Hulu exclusive that came out during the pandemic. Oh, and I never watched it. It's I very good because either, he's but... playing himself and he's playing his ancestor that was pickled and then like is awoken in modern day. It's kind of like being frozen in the ice, but he gets pickled instead. It's because he works in a pickle factory. It's, it's very stupid, right? But like he's playing both of the characters and like he gives like this very subtle really strong performance and it's like a very different role and i like him because he he has a wider range and i just don't i've never seen bernthal show a range i you know i just i don't see the yeah i mean that's valid so so that's like one of you know that's just like one of my big thoughts and and the reason i bring it up is because it drives the larger thought of like this show really bored me Mm. and it was really hard to get through you know, not yeah. only was this show only eight episodes, but it took us like, I think both of us like two weeks to get through the show. And usually we can crank through a show in like two to three days. It did. Yeah, um, it was a and, bit of a slog. And so I think it's like really uh, emblematic of like the problems of the show is that it's not super compelling. I didn't find the main character compelling. You know, the the, the narrative is like really meh and really, really messy, like really unclear. There's a lot of secondary characters that are introduced really late that you don't know how they associate um, and it's just, it's, 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 it's messy is my, my overall thoughts. We can get into like good and bad in a minute, but now I kind of want to turn the question back on you and say like, what are, what are your overall thoughts? You know, what, what was your big takeaway from, from the show? You know, uh, I think fairly similar, although maybe not as much the John Bernthal part. Like yeah. I get what you're saying about, about him and, and the way he acts. And, you know, I think that, the characters and specifically Julian's character not really having much of a range because you do see, you do see some of the other characters uh, and actors showing quite a lot of range. Yes, absolutely. Right. Pretty much everybody else. Every single other person. Every single other person, uh, save uh, the person who uh, Wayne Brady plays. Well, yeah, he doesn't which, have enough. Forgive me, I can't remember his name, but he was such a, a third party character yeah. right that there wasn't really opportunity although he did have kind of like a rageful moment with julian you you see such a huge range with them i think it comes down to the way that julian is written right like yeah maybe maybe john bernthal is kind of like 
in that camp of, of actors who don't really have a lot of uh, emotion that they can show. They, they don't have a wide spectrum of things that they can show off. However, the character itself didn't really seem to to give a shit about anything that they were a part of. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right? right? And that's the thing that bugged me was that, like, all of these other people feel like there are high stakes going on, and Julian, even when his kid is involved, is just like, damn, well, I guess that's my kid. I guess I gotta go fucking figure out how to get him. Yeah, it's very bland. You know, it it was like, he was, it was like they made his character a chicken breast with no salt, no pepper, garlic powder, oregano, no seasoning. It was just... He's cooked and you can eat that boiled chicken breast. Chicken breast. Right. Like it's it's not gonna kill you, but it's and, not gonna taste very good. And you know, I, I don't know that that's so much a, a limitation or a reflection of John Bernthal as it is the writing. And so I think that for me was was something that kind of perturbed me, along with the fact that there was this huge web of things happening that were all connected, maybe, but maybe not. But definitely were because they're all in the same movie, question mark. <laughs> but never seemed to come up or matter that much. Right, right. So it was a little it was a little confusing in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean... It was just hard to follow, you know? Well, it goes to the larger question, and we talked about this, is who who is this show for, right? There is a movie from, yeah. I believe, the 80s, right? 1980. 1980, yep. exactly. With, yep. Starring Richard Gere, you know, heartthrob in his own right at, the, at that time. And kind of looks like John Bernthal in certain scenes and, and times, yeah, which I, I would, think is fair. I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of a reason. Yeah, they're John similar. I, not cast. obviously the same. But, yeah. you know, that movie came out, and I have no idea how successful it was. I wager it was marginally successful. Otherwise, yeah. why would you reboot it as a TV show uh, 40 years later, you know, some odd. Right. Um, but who who is the audience for this show? It's not people of our generation. It's not, you know, 20-somethings. Is it 60-year-olds no. that were 20 when this movie came out? Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I can really think about, right? Is like yeah. people that liked, you know, Richard Gere at that time seeing, you know, another person play essentially the same role. But I don't know. Right. I, if I showed this to my mom or my dad, I think they would fall asleep. I think your mom and dad are maybe out of the demographic. I think they they really just pigeonholed what you're saying is like people who are like 18 1920 like in 1980 specifically like they, my mom I was 21 like in, the, in 1980 oh well i guess i don't remember your mom's age <laughs> yeah sorry no you're fine um, that's what i'm saying is like my mom would be the perfect but, demographic by yeah logic. so so then yes of course um but you i think that was pretty much it they had they didn't have a very wide net that they cast it was okay we know that people who grew up with this movie are gonna be interested in seeing this let's catch them Let's, let's just grab them up. And they didn't seem to really care about widening that fan base or pulling in new people. It was just about like, hey, let's everybody's rebooting shit. Let's go ahead and reboot this and make it a TV series. And it and should maybe be Showtime right? just owns the rights to it for some reason. Um, you know, like, yeah, it's I, yeah, I don't know. It's just because it's based on a book, too. Like the original movie was based on a book, I think. That I cannot confirm. I don't that know. I'm not aware I might be of. making things up. Sounds reasonable. I mean, I feel like if this like was it, a book, it would read very pulpy and really much more interesting than it is. Right? Probably. There's probably a lot of, you know, 
there was there's probably a lot of those inner monologue things and thoughts that we don't see in a show unless they show it to us very very specifically or highlight and like work very hard to show us yeah i mean i tend to hate inner monologues like monologuing during like scenes i would have (laughs) greatly preferred it here to understand what any motivation for john bernthal's character because he has none he is so wishy-washy and doesn't do anything hearing why he's doing nothing or why he's reacting in a certain way would have actually been helpful because it's not it's not acted out it's not shown to the audience right there's the classic show don't tell right so if you're not going to show it at the very least you have to tell us through some type of exposition or some type of like you know moment that really can tell us and and literally literally tell us yeah are you looking at this as a book it was a book. Hey. Yeah, it was a book. The year before it was made in a movie. Uh, made up it facts must have that been, turned out to be real. It must have turned uh, or been a popular book if it was a year later. I wonder if American into... Gigolo was the like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey of the late 70s. Uh, well, if it was, then American Gigolo, the movie, was also trash, so... Well, I don't know, right? It's just like, you know, it's a very, it grabs, it's a, it's a title that'll grab people's attention and it is about a male sex worker, right? Right. You know, like I could see it being kind of a risque novel, you know, for, for women of their twenties, thirties, forties, maybe some men, uh, picking up and and getting into, and then of course they see the sales. Yeah. Right. 1980. I feel like, you know, it's not now. Yeah. I mean, the landscape's Um, changed. I mean, 40 years is a ton of time. Significantly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's now we've we've given kind of our broad overviews. Let's let's yeah. talk about our distinct good and our distinct bad. We always try to find nuggets of good in in the shows. So what are you good? What are your bad, Andrew? For the life of me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not coming up with a lot, man. Um I think I think the good for me was was probably probably casting for ninety percent of okay. the series yeah um examples i please. think that i i think that i john bernthal is a question mark for me like obviously i'm a fan I, i've liked thing that he's been in i i think between what we've talked about already whether it was the writing or the actor that kind of gave a subpar thing is, yeah. is up for debate and i'm gonna just consider just be a that mix of both as well yeah it could be a mix of both i'm just gonna consider that point like talked about but i think it would have been boring before, no matter what the actor was i don't think the it character may have has any yeah so then i think it was probably the writing then but uh, i think that the rest of the 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 casting was fantastic you know great. rosie o'donnell did fen- phenomenal she yes. played a great disgruntled uh middle-aged detective yep who is just always searching for the truth and is just determined beyond beyond reason almost in some cases right yeah um you know i think that gabriel labelle did a phenomenal job playing both young julian and colin this was something that completely um, blew which was my something mind. that completely blew your mind last time we talked about this was that the guy the the, the young gentleman who plays colin also plays young julian in and the they flashbacks. did such a good job with that was one of the things that i just remember that i was talking about was like costuming and and design and things like that that i thought was really good they they the costuming and things like i totally believed that the people that they were wooing as as clients, as well as the people who were the gigolos and 
uh, escorts, etc. Like they all dressed very appropriately for like what I picture would yeah, be like the, the underground Hollywood uh, sex yeah, kind of yeah, work. Exactly, right? but high it's, end. It's like suave, right. high end. You have like designer suits with like a button up underneath that's like not a tie. It's unbuttoned a little bit, so it's like showing a little bit of that risque chest hair kind of thing and like that whole vibe. And anyways, I'm sidetracking a little bit, but it's all good stuff. They did right? such a good job with with Gabriel Labelle that. I mean, it even deceived you as someone who's analyzing this show as yeah. you're watching it. And tends to he, pick up on stuff like that pretty quickly. Yeah. Like the fact that it completely evaded me the whole show. You know, they have different yeah. hairstyles and they carry themselves very differently. But I think that is, it right. speaks to the credit of, of the talent of the actor. Yeah. Who's able 100%. to, to, you know, be two different characters that are playing, you know, two, you know, I, I, I thought that was incredible. When you told me that I was yeah. like blown away completely. Yeah. Yeah. So the performances of, of, most of the the people uh, who who played roles that had a bit of emotion to them, yeah, did a great job. I think that was great. I think the set design things like that were great. So that those would be like my goods. Um, okay, my my bads or my negatives would be just the general storyline, the plot. Uh, you know, we've not really uh, alluded to it, but rather very explicitly pointed it out we didn't know what the hell was happening in the yes. show. And, and it's very difficult to try to figure it out. And, and at some point you stop trying to figure it out. I just stopped. I was like, I'm just going to take the show at face, face value. Whatever happens, happens fine. Okay, fine. You know, things happen fine. Whatever. That's all right. Great. Next episode, almost done. Let's call it, uh, you know, um, I think one of the other things, uh, my other bad my other bad was all of the flashbacks. Okay, so all of them in this series, there are like like half of the series is flashbacks, and not just like flashbacks that continually add context and help you understand what's going on. Right, it's a lot of the very same flashbacks. Yes, that show you the same amount of information that you have, which is which is almost none. Yeah, you're not and so gaining it makes it very, new information yeah, with the same... Because there, there are times in shows you'll do that, where you'll see the exact same yeah. flashback, but because you've heard <clears throat> something in the foreground, narratively important, the flashback has completely right. new context or meaning, right? Right. It, it like re You see it again, and then after that context you were just given, you're like, oh, shit, and it clicks. Right. This was like just the exact same ones repeated over and over. And there were a couple moments where you did see a flashback that added like a second or two to the end that like did that sort of thing where it kind of closed the gap a little bit. But for, I would say 95 to 98% of the flashbacks, they were just this repeated thing that didn't really give us any more information or really give us any fruit Anything, anything of interest to chew on anything of interest yeah. and so it just was filler you know i think that as far as a story goes i don't know where the movie ends right yeah i don't know i, I haven't seen the movie so i don't know where it takes like at two hours and two minutes or whatever it is when the movie ends i don't know what that final scene is right. i can't imagine it was what we saw right where we see uh you know detective sunday approaching julie and saying hey you know we figured out that you didn't kill these people and we figured out that this guy did but don't you want to know why you were framed right. don't you want to know why you were the one that was given the job to investigate 
or, or sorry, excuse me, to, to like service this client or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, you were the one who was pinned put you in this for situation, it. So, right? so for the context folks is that the, 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 the murder that Julian was framed for was a, a first time client. It was actually the sister of someone who, when Julian was much younger and like high school age brought this girl he was dating into the loop of things basically got her to work with Olga. She committed suicide or was murdered. We don't really know. We're led to just believe it was a suicide, but we're not given enough information to confirm or be sure of it. It's just kind of this, this it's left very ambiguous to the audience. Yeah. It's just very ambiguous. Like, yeah, she killed herself. They just keep saying that, but then we don't really have much of a confirmation because they also show us in one of the flashbacks that there were a lot of people in the house when it happened. So it was yeah. like, okay. And one of the shady characters have, who we know is involved with a different murder later right. on was like there. And so that's obviously suspect. So anyways, this, this sister figures it out. She's doing some investigative investigation of her own, trying to, you know, basically get justice for her sister. And John is Julian, excuse me, is the one who, uh, takes her last or her job, which is his one last job before him and Michelle run away. He gets drugged. He wakes up. This woman is, you know, neck is slit blood everywhere. We see that scene a billion times, but, but anyways, these, all of these flashbacks don't really serve much of a purpose. And we're still left wondering what is going on. And yeah, so I, I think, think they... that the end of the film probably doesn't leave off here. I think that, we probably would have seen a full conclusion to things, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it just would have wrapped up more. I mean, I think like in our conversations that we always have, we always predict what would have happened in another season. I think that it's fair to say that they left a lot of these threads loose and hanging because in the hopes of having another season to continue to explore this, this world, um, you know, we see a lot of threads, especially in regards to, uh, Julian's like childhood friend um, who is named I don't remember yeah she's no. Olga's daughter right and so she's like the inheritor of oh Isabel I thought Isabel. you were thinking of um, the other guy yeah no so so Isabel, Isabel inherits the kind of male prostitution ring right and they're continuing to do it while Julian's in prison she is seems to be connected to a lot of these things because she is the one that ultimately gets Julian's son back from being kidnapped and able to be returned to, to his family. But it's unclear how much of a hand she had directly like ordering or, or making these things happen. And when she was younger, she was like barely 21 when Julian was framed. So it's pretty clear that she was not the orchestrator of that, but appears to be pulling the strings. Now it's so stupidly confusing because this isn't, this shouldn't be that complicated of a plot, but they, they overcomplicate it. Right. To a degree that makes it so we, the two of us, relatively smart people who are able to understand most show plots, uh, were not able to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, that was one for me is, is they just left so many answers, um, in the, in the balance. Like we just don't get any of those answers. And, and I just, I feel like, I didn't really understand what was going on in the first place. And at the point where we started to need to get some, or we needed some answers, we weren't getting any. So it just kind of left me sitting there just going, huh, 
I, I don't, I, I don't really understand what happened. And, you know, there's, there's something to, to, to celebrate about when a show leaves you in mystery and keeps you going and keeps you Absolutely. watching and intrigued. Uh, I think that's what makes a good show. But this one was just like, I didn't, I never got anything to really chew on to like keep me going. You no, know? it's not. It's not. Um, a, it's trying to be noir, and it's trying to evoke a lot of the the uh, elements of that genre. Which you're right, leave a lot of questions, leave a lot of wondering, uh, of yeah. of thoughtfulness. And this show tries and uh, subsequently fails at all of that. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know that was that was, I guess, the summation of my of my bads was. You know, it just so many flashbacks, and I think that instead of all the flashbacks showing us the same thing over and over again, they could have filled out characters. They could have um, informed motivations of people. They could have answered some of those other questions. And you know, I, I think, I think doing what they did for the sake of potentially eking out like a five season series shot themselves. They shot themselves in the foot, right? Yeah. Like this would have been a know, better limited series by far. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, where they told um, a, a longer version or a more book-faithful version, right, as we exactly. find out that it's a book, right? Yeah. Yeah, what are, what are your goods and bads? I think, you know, I, I could probably keep going, but, you know, we, we don't have uh, all night. <laughs> We're not going to release spent, a three-hour tirade of why we yeah, did the show. I've already spent nine hours watching this show yeah, just right. about. So. Um, and we're, you know, doing this whole podcast over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, Right. I will, I will, I said it emphatically on the last recording, which is lost to time. I will say it emphatically once again. Hail the return of Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, the queen. Uh, she is fantastic in this show. She, she really, she really, really does a good job uh, and kind of uh, steals every single scene that she's in, in, in my opinion, um, and does a better job acting than anyone else. And I have missed her. Uh, I don't know her from that much, but I know that she's a funny lady. Uh, I know that she's had some controversy, but it's weird controversy from being too liberal for people's opinions, not too conservative, which tends to be the the, the thing that gets you in more hot water nowadays in, in popular culture. Um, she is so believable and so earnest in the way that she executes everything. You are always unclear what her angle is whenever she comes into a room and whenever she's talking about the case or whatever's going on. She's friendly, but she's, uh, you know, sarcastic, but she's doubtful. And she's just like a perfect blend of somebody that feels believable, you know, feels like somebody who has been at this job, somebody who's had that job wear them down and destroy a lot of the good things that are in their lives. And then, you know, somebody who really does care about finding justice and, and looking for answers. And it's it's frankly remarkable for, for someone who I am not as familiar with in her acting career and who has not acted in the better part of a decade at least well she's i think she's been acting but i don't think she's been in the forefront like she used to be in the early 90s and, and early 2000s right yeah you know? and i mean she was on i think the view for a very long time as well maybe a different she was talk show. yeah she was and she um she had her own show she was in uh titles such as the flintstones right? yes my favorite childhood movie and Right. And she was also in like Sleeping in Seattle, which she did a fantastic job in that. Right. So she obviously is a big name and she's just kind of taken a back seat to, yeah. you know, whatever. Anyways, the resurgence as, as of Rosie O'Donnell. Right, yeah. We're into it. Yes. It we're great. here. 
were were O'Donnell heads a new name that I've just come up with for fans of her? I don't know. You're giving me a look. I mean, she's good, but I don't. Good. I don't know if I would. Cons- I don't know if it's fair to to loop me in with. The well, I'm gonna go O'Donnell watch the live action Flintstones situation movie and watch her uh, play. Uh, who does she play in that? She's not Wilma. No she's idea. Barney's wife. Who is Barney's wife on the Flintstones? Betty. Betty. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, how do you I'm, not know the Flintstones? Like, Presley, I'm almost thirty. I haven't watched the Flintstones since I was significantly younger okay, than 30. Okay, this is not a good excuse. What are the names of the characters in, in Scooby-Doo, a show that came out at the same time? Shaggy, Thoma, Fred, Scooby, Daphne. Great. So you know those characters, you don't know the same all, all equally iconic Flintstones characters. I watched way more Scooby-Doo than I did That's because Scooby-Doo is a better show. Anyway, moving on. I also watched more Flintstones when I was much, much younger. Like, like way, yeah. five? Kid couldn't and, process young. Right, like... Actually, your boy was a massive Barney fan. We all were. Uh, so, write that down. <laughs> we love we loved Barney. We love Barney, not love, yeah. not past tense. Anyway, uh, loved Rosie O'Donnell. She did great. <laughs> I liked a lot of the other actors in the show as well. It's not just Rosie O'Donnell. She does the best by far. But I also think that the husband of uh, Julian's love interest, whose again name escapes me. When you're first introduced to Leland him, Orser. Thank you. Richard Stratton. Uh, Other he, way around. Richard Stratton, played by Leland Orser. Great. Uh, we'll, we'll call him Richard. Uh, Richard is a very cool character because he starts off and seemingly like seems to be like this mob boss kind of. Like you see him and he's like talking with the the teacher that is the much older teacher that is his 15 year old son is in love with and they're talking about like how to get her out of his life and she's like oh is she gonna disappear is she gonna go on vacation you know that kind of thing and it seems like very seedy and like they're in this huge mansion so he's like in the criminal element but then as as he's got like his mob of guys around him too yeah exactly guys which are like his guy guy like you know it's that whole thing um and then as it's like fleshed out and you hear more and listen more to what he's doing and why he wants to get his son back. Who's now like run away and is subsequently kidnapped. It's like this genuine, pure, good hearted father son story about this father who cares about his son and, and genuinely wants what is best for him and just doesn't right. believe that him dating a 30 something teacher and running away together when he's 15 is a good option for him. And he's right. a little misguided, but not in a mean way, not in like this evil, sadistic way, just in a, you know, his wife has fallen out of love with him. His son has run away um, at the at the mercy of, a you know, a, you know, somebody who is, uh, you know, not age appropriate. And it's it's heartfelt. And there are these great scenes where he is building a watch with with uh, with his son, with Colin. And, you know, building a watch is extremely hard, extremely tedious work. It's about right. precision. It's about patience. And it really shows him. And when he's having trouble, you know, he teaches him fun little tricks and he breaks the rules. It's just a sweet, great moments that yeah. I like. And it's great character development right. and stuff mm-hmm. we don't get in any other the other characters. The best characters that I like most in the show are the ones that have moments outside of the core narrative of the story. I like Rosie O'Donnell because we see these moments where she goes to the gym and she's into the woman that is like the, the person at the front desk that like hands out the towels and stuff. And so she's kind of flirting with her a little bit. You know, we see, uh, you know, <laughs> Richard who is, uh, yeah. you know, building this watch with his son. Like those are great moments. Right. And we always talk about how much we want character development. Here are characters developing developing in front of our eyes meanwhile julian's working fucking washing dishes at a restaurant that he got from a buddy 
you know, uh, that was in prison. And then he goes and sits in his apartment and does fucking nothing the whole time. Yeah. This is what we're talking about with character. He has dinner with his landlord a few times too, though. Oh, uh, wow. Which, I forgot about those exciting probably, moments. Which is probably, it's fluff, right? But at least like their little dynamic was fun. It's cute. In some moments. But like, again, it's fluff. It didn't really add to the story. It didn't add to any development. It was just kind of like, well, guys, we said that we were making 50 minute episodes and let's we just need throw another eight scene. minutes. Right. And, yeah. and the nuance, the, the important thing here, right? You're right. That it is moments outside of the core narrative where we are seeing Julian. It does not teach us or show us anything different that we already know about Julian. We know that Julian has always been a nice guy. He's never been like this mean spirited, mean guy. He's always right. been kind of flirtatious and friendly with other people. And he is a, he's just a genuine guy. And so when he asks his yeah. landlord out to go to dinner, it's a well-meaning, Hey, let's, it'll be fun to chat and go to dinner and have a conversation. All of that yep. is well and good, but it doesn't inform or, or tell us anything different about his character. Talking about what I didn't like about the show, we've gone into a lot of it. So, I mean, I'm not just going to kind of beat a dead horse here. Uh, the the mystery is extremely boring and very difficult to follow, even for uh, someone who's literally reading and taking notes and watching it intently. You know, Too it's not mysterious. like I'm sitting there playing games the whole time <laughs> or anything. You know, I literally have our, our my, my season one branded notebook that I take notes in. And I was just like writing question marks all over it, like doodling basically because I had no idea what the fuck was going on the whole time. Uh, which, you know, it, it just shows that, you know, you have to be really specific when you're writing a mystery uh, and a, a noir set piece and they just were they they didn't do it right and maybe that's the book's fault or the adaption of the screenplay's fault or the adaption of the teleplay's fault i don't know it just wasn't compelling Something. at all yeah i think like we talked about john bernthal i just don't find him to be a particularly compelling main main actor yeah. i also think that you know i alluded to it when you were saying it but i don't think he's written to be particularly compelling uh, so I, I, I think those are both working against him to just make me dislike that character and that role and the whole narrative about this main character because nothing fucking interesting or of note happens to him other than the inciting incident of him going to prison wrongfully for 15 right. years. You know, it's like, right. oh, that would have been interesting. It would have been more interesting to have a first episode where that was it, right? Where we see the lead up to all these events, right? Where it wasn't a flashback. It was like in the real time of the show. And then we jump ahead 15 years in episode two. Like that structurally would have been a better way to do it rather than all these flashbacks. Um, but of course, Hollywood loves flashbacks for some fucking reason, even though they're stupid and no one likes them. You know, they can be effective when they're done right, but you have to do it perfectly. And so barely anyone knows how to do them perfectly. I don't even yeah. know how to do them perfectly. Yeah. I mean, this the the, the amount of flashbacks makes me think of... Um like the overuse of it makes me think of cowboy bebop dutch angles right to exactly. throw back to an early episode you you can do something once or twice a few times here and there but when it becomes like dutch angles and cowboy bebop flashbacks and erica gigolo uh, light flares like in every michael bay movie <laughs> a billion times like it, or it's just, just too much yeah or explosions it's just too much it becomes too it loses its effect. Yeah. You know, it, it's also, you know, we, you and I are both play games, a jump scare is effective once, but then when you see that same exact jump scare, when you're stuck at a part in a movie or in a game, 
it, it loses its scariness, right? You just like, oh, I know this yeah. is coming, right? It's the same thing. Like, I know that this is boring. I know that nothing's going to yeah. happen. I don't know. It's just like it's so, so bad. Anyway, um, moving on from my goods and my bads, because I don't think either of us really cared about this show. Before we get into our star ratings, <laughs> are you ready for, yeah. for our newest segment to the pod? Oh, wait. First, I, I just wanted to, to, before we launch into that. Okay. What did you think you were going to see in season two? I'll tell you what I thought. Oh, we were gonna yes. See in that, I completely two. forgot about this part. I think in season two, we see the rest of the fucking movie. <laughs> and I think that's it. Yeah, we see uh, uh, some uh, deeper resolution as to why the events took place. Yeah. I, I think we just watched the rest of the, the original movie. Or you Did know. you look up the plot synopsis on Wikipedia? Do we know how much of this show incorporates the original film and... Did I? Did you? Did we? No, I'm no. just curious, right? It sounds like no, it sounds like not. you know you're saying that as somebody who has read the book or the play. You know, it's like, oh well, they cut it off exactly halfway, and it would have been like a great two. No, I mean, I'm running. just I'm just guessing that right. like yeah, the amount of stuff they tried to jam pack into it to get people interested enough. I think that they probably used up at least half of the content of the book. And, you know, maybe we would have seen seasons one and two be true to the book or true to the, the, the movie. And then as, you know, studios like to do, they go off into the nether and just create shit. And then it's even worse than the original stuff yep. was. Ten, tends to be. A, a very rarely is a, uh, is a reboot ever good. Uh, in fact, yeah. I can't think of one, which just shows that I'm probably right, <laughs> not to right. toot my own horn, but right. Yeah. To, you let us know in the comments, your source material. dear listener, what reboot you enjoyed. Yeah. Or re, you know, yeah, it's so stu- stop, just stop. Yeah. Um, right. What I would have wanted Anyways. from a season two is any character development for Julian. What I think would have yeah. been great is to show how some of the events of spending 15 years in in fucking prison would have impacted him as a character because there's very little difference between him prior and post prison uh, in the sense of like the way he treats people and the way he acts and his trust or distrusting of everything. Right. The only real lesson he ever learns is like, don't talk to Rosie O'Donnell when you're in an interrogation room with her, because the last time you did that, you got 15 years and that's what he says. Exactly. He gets interrogated again by her. Yeah. Um, it's just like, yeah, give me give me something to work with with the main character. It would have been great in season two. Um, you know, yeah, I think it would have been interesting. I, you'd have to, to introduce another love interest because his love interest basically rejects him at the end of uh, this show, I guess. But that feels muddy. It, like like we said, it, it feels like it should have been a limited series and it wasn't for yeah. some strange reason. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Because, because studios are just trying to eke out as much money as they possibly can, which means you drag things along as long as possible to keep that revenue up. Yeah, clearly. It's, and they're just um, making they're basically just gambling at this point. Right? Yeah. They're not taking they're not taking the effort to put together something really good. They're just throwing shit together and throwing it out, rebooting stuff, and whatever sticks, they're good. You know, they they they're spending millions of dollars producing these things and you know, sometimes they're getting a 500 percent or five times profit on a show and that just pays for the ones that didn't work right and that's what it feels like and you mentioned that right and then you think about showtime and showtime you know isn't as you know high tier as hbo or whatever in terms of like its original content creation but it also is making one of the most popular shows right now yellow jackets which is a completely original idea as far as i'm aware it could be a book 
but I, I don't think it is because I think people would uh, know more about what the show was like, what was happening if that was true. And it's right. like extremely popular. I think it just shows that like new novel ideas are always better than rehashing old, tired eighties uh, films. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So that, those are our predictions for the season two that never happened. Uh, Andrew, are you ready for our newest segment on the pod? I am ready as I ever could be. Um, this is uh, Presley's filmmaking tips, uh, tips and Ooh. tricks. Uh, we're a cool YouTube channel that does cool filmmaking tips and tricks. Uh, Andrew, do you know what Chekhov's gun is? No. Yes, I do now. Because <laughs> um, I told you about it already. Because you told me last time we recorded this. Uh, I do, but I am guessing that most of our audience doesn't. Yes. Yeah, so for our for our listeners at home, Chekhov's gun is a is a I think it's actually a playwriting concept, but it could be mm. it, it, it's it's principally a storytelling concept, right? Where if you are introducing anything into the story, let's say a gun on the mantelpiece, you you describe that in your book, in your screenplay, in your whatever, the rule is is that that gun needs to go off before the scene ends. You should never introduce a concept or something into the narrative that doesn't have a resolution within that same narrative, right? Why are you yeah. why are you bringing up the fact that there's a gun on the wall if it doesn't have any import, if it's not going to go off, if it's not going to be right. used, right? doesn't mean you have yeah. to kill off your main character with it. It doesn't mean anything, right? But you need to be, like, very diligent with the way that you're presenting your information. It's it's about, like, the necessity of what the what what is needed versus what is shown. Um American Gigolo violates this rule constantly and is constantly introducing yeah. both figurative and literal Chekhov's guns into the show. Yeah. Uh, one clear example is in the latter half uh, of the series. Uh, Julian's landlord, who he's you know kind of become friends with now, is like, "Hey, if you're ever in any shit and need like you know need protection, uh, I keep like a a pistol in my a vegetable crisper in my fr- refrigerator." Right. And this is right before yeah. Julian gets really involved in the search for this for his son. Right. In earnest. And that never comes up again. And that's like a, a perfect rule of like, don't violate Chekhov's gun. Right. You're introducing to the fact that Julian could get into trouble and could need to protect himself a way to do so. And then you're not revealing it. Right. Yeah. Same exact totally. deal. Pilot yeah. episode. Uh, we see a, a example of a prisoner being subjugated by another prisoner, kind of at the at the mercy uh, of uh, you know cellmates, you know, uh, taking advantage of one another. Let's put it uh, you know kindly like that. And at one point, this character comes up to Julian and he's like, "Hey, I've heard that you could like help people like me, right?" Right. And so clearly, there's some history of Julian potentially doing that, which of course we never see in the show, much to my chagrin, as I mentioned in my you know what I would want for season two. And then right. he's like go away. I'm not going to help you for again, no yeah. reason. We don't know why there's no, there's no motivation uh, as far as he's we're like, aware to why he's it. saying yes It'll or no. Quicker and easier. Yeah, yeah. Like don't fight back is his, you know, to, is his advice to this guy getting raped who was told that John Bernthal could help him. And again, yeah. it's like, why are you introducing that in the pilot episode of the story? If then that doesn't come around in any way, shape or form again, it's not, it's not character development. It doesn't inform anything about Julian other than the fact that he is unwilling to help this stranger, even though he helps a bunch of strangers, the whole show it just doesn't make yeah. any sense. So don't, Follow Chekhov's gun, introduce things that are important to the plot, call back to them, foreshadow, you know, all that stuff is good, but then use it. So um, I hate the show. 
I'm mad that you made us watch it. Uh, Andrew. Well, Presley, rolling into that, I think I can probably guess, uh, aside from the fact that, uh, well, actually, I don't remember what stars star rating you gave it last time, so this will be fresh for me too, guys. Yeah. Um, Presley, could you quickly run us through the star ratings, and then please submit your star rating for yeah the show. for the panel uh okay so uh, our star rating is simple uh it's a it's a zero out of five scale zero being uh this show should never have uh, even materialized into a single script for a single pilot it was a fundamentally bad idea uh in every principle and just shouldn't have ever been made uh one star is hey i could see like a pilot you know they they gave it a try the concept is there but it's it's not a show it's we don't need more of this even from a pilot uh, show script uh two is hey you did okay one season was definitely enough it was not good enough to get another season very you know mediocre and, and just not not there for for anyone really it's not appealing three uh is our classic watch at your own risk category that is where like hey if you enjoyed us talking about it or enjoyed you know listening to the synopsis enjoyed uh the elements that we discussed you, you, you might you might enjoy the show otherwise it probably still might not be for you so you know just approach with caution four is like hey this is a good show this is this deserves some more time this deserved more uh more sunlight and more care love and attention doesn't mean it was the best show ever uh but probably deserved more than a single season that it got uh five uh our criminal crime uh aka ones that the fact that they were canceled is really a crime and they were you know, far and be far and above even shows that get 10 seasons nowadays. Um, it, you yeah. know, they're very rare. They're, they're the unicorns of the season one world, but, uh, we're, we're here doing the Lord's work to try and find them for our <laughs> listeners. Days, man. My star rating for this is a zero out of five stars. Okay. I considered okay. giving it a one. Yeah. But the reason I don't is because a one would mean that they made a pilot but we already basically have a pilot and it's called a movie with Richard Gere in it. Uh, yeah. Just watch the movie. You know, I've never seen the movie, but we already have this story. It's already a book. It's already a movie. We don't need it right. again. It's been done in a show, right? It's my same criticism. You brought up Cowboy Bebop earlier. We, we have Cowboy Bebop already existed and there's no reason to do it again. Make new things, Hollywood, make new things, people. Right. right. Um, and so zero out yeah. of five would not recommend the show to anyone. What's your star rating, Andrew? (laughs) You know, I think it's interesting because via the same, almost same reasoning, the fact that we have uh, a book and a TV or a a movie that had to have seen some success, I think a one. Okay. One out of five. So like, yeah, maybe it deserved a pilot. It might have been interesting to see a TV adaptation. They may flesh out characters. They may flesh out stories and, and see where it goes from there, maybe. While also realizing and having the opinion that reboots are shitty and should never happen. Um, I'm a complicated person. Um, <laughs> the one out of five for me is just because it was something that was successful before. And it would have been interesting literally just to see that pilot and then after that cool this was not it let's let's call it so would you say that your logic to it is like okay the lord of the rings movies were really successful let's make uh, an amazon show that's like a prequel to it to 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 further flesh out and continue the story that was done is is that the kind of like the way you're approaching it where just because it was done before doesn't mean you shouldn't do more of it 
Yeah, I think it just has to be done in a way that's good. Or better right? than the original. Or better. It just has to be good or better than the original. And this Not a tall order at all. Apparently, right? I, yeah, I don't right. I don't know. Uh, but we like to also view these things in, in somewhat of a vacuum. Yeah, but, we don't want But I think based solely, yeah, on the fact that there had to have been some success for the previous things, uh, the, the book and the TV excuse me the book and the movie it had to have like seen a pilot but then after that like after the first episode i was like yeah this isn't it i think that is the perfect rating for me okay. as a one sure let's make a pilot let's see what happens cool this is dog shit let's call it well with that dear listeners we've come to the end of the podcast once again it's a sad day andrew tell them tell, tell our dear listeners where they can find uh, find more of our content yeah, you can find us on all socials as season underscore one underscore pod, as well as our subreddit r slash season one pod and season one pod.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your opinions. We want to know what you think about our dialogue. We want to know your suggestions for any of our uh, upcoming content. Uh, we want to know, you know, what you thought about the shows, what, what your opinion was. Yeah. We really do want to hear about it. And, and something I'll say is we do get a lot of DMs talking about your opinions on the series or uh, the episode and we'd love to see that more publicly we want to get you guys interacting with each other and we want to we want to have that dialogue more publicly because i think that's where some of the fun can be in all of this yeah have it out so i just want to encourage you to have it out a little bit with each other and uh, obviously keep it respectful but we want to see some of those comments so please uh, engage with us there Uh, we we do want to have somewhat of a community in this um, and and that the biggest part of that is you. Uh, so we'd love to, love to hear from you guys. Um, you can also email us at suggestions at season1pod.com if you have any ideas for episodes you do not see on our list on the website yep. or um, shows that you know we haven't done yet. Yep. Um, yeah, I encourage you to check that list. It is quite uh, extensive, but uh, we're always open to new ones. You know, we, we want to keep the show going as long as possible. So the more yep. shows that you all tell us about, the more likely uh, we are to continue this this fun experiment that andrew and i have embarked upon uh last thing that i will plug is uh leave us a little review if you're if you're enjoying the show let us know what you think you know we we welcome good and bad reviews because we want to know what we're doing well just in the same way that we're going to find some good and bad tv shows in, in this uh in this experiment that we're doing uh but without further ado andrew what is the next show that we are watching we are i mean you have to tell me because you picked damn it i forgot Without further ado, the next show that we are watching is Netflix's canceled show, Blockbuster. Um, oh, boy. Very recently show canceled. That, yeah, the show that day one, when we heard about it, we texted each other and said, add it to the list. The yeah, shit we, is going to be canceled. Yeah, we knew uh, when it was announced. Not when it, not when like the day it came out and like reviews started happening, yeah. but we were like, this is definitely going to get canceled. Yeah. It was like we could see peek into the veil or something you know i don't know what it was but you know you and i called it from day one uh yeah so i look forward to well i don't look forward to watching it but i look forward to discussing it with you next week andrew right uh until then my name is presley my name is andrew and we watch it see you around too